Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is on the show as always. Eric, how are you doing on this Monday? I'm doing pretty darn good, Matt. Uh, thanks for having me back on as always and, and just ready to, we've now put non-conference play behind us and we've got the conference opener this upcoming week and Saturday. We'll both be down uh, at Stanford for, you know, it's a, it's an interesting, going to be interesting, I think, open to the conference play. Uh, obviously, this is a big rivalry game. We'll get to that later. But, uh, yeah, just excited to move from games that don't count towards the Pac-12 championship to games that will count for. Yeah, Oregon comes in now 2-1. and one. Um, They are 17th in the, in the, I think, both polls, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think 16th in the, in the 18th. That's right, 16th. Um, 16th. Uh, Stanford is one and two, and they're coming off an absolute shellacking via UCF in a game that I think a lot of people were kind of like, well, why'd you even schedule that? Right? Like, why were you going to UCF and playing on the road against that school, knowing how good they are? Um, and the Ducks, the Ducks won their game against Montana at home 35 to three. UCF comes off a game in which they lost 45 to 27. And in the last two games, Stanford has given up 90 points, Oof. 45 to USC and 45 to UCF. And I don't know if, if Oregon is as explosive as UCF, but I think it's safe to say that Oregon's probably the better team than UCF is. Um, and so if you're Oregon, you're probably feeling pretty good about yourself and your chances going into the Stanford team. So that leads me to my next point, right? Is that, of all the games, this is the one that, right, Stanford's going to show up and they're going to play at their best. You know, I, I have no doubt that Stanford will be ready for Oregon and that this game, it, it, it would shock me more if, I'd be floored if Stanford blew out Oregon. But I would I would be more surprised if Oregon blew out the Cardinal and, and blow out, I mean, you know, a three-score or more win than this game being close. Well, I was going to, I think it's point, worth pointing out that the line opened at 10 points at Stanford, which means Vegas thinks Oregon is like a, you know, obviously a 14, 15 point better team, which makes sense if you just look at the first three results. But I was maybe slightly surprised at it being a double digit line at Stanford. Uh, we, we, you just kind of ran down the way their season has started, the, the points they've allowed. It's worth mentioning they haven't scored more than 27 points in a game and, they scored 27 points against UCF, but a lot of those came in the fourth quarter when they were already down like 28 points. Um, uh, this is a game where, you know, the way Oregon's defense is looking and Stanford's offense is looking not very impressive at all. Costello obviously has had injuries and then we'll see, you know, kind of where he's at and if he's able to play better than he did against UCF. But yeah, it certainly feels like a game where Oregon deserves to be favored. I agree with you. I think they will probably win, uh, and we'll probably we'll get to that later in the week. I, I feel pretty confident about the way this defense has looked. But, yeah, 10 points, winning by three scores at Stanford does feel a little bit like it's asking a lot. But, again, also this Oregon team, we should mention defensively especially, like the way Stanford's looked, Oregon might be able to hold them, you know, in the, in the, in the teens or below. We'll see. And I guess you also have to go back to last year's game, right, between these two teams. And Stanford won 38 to – to 31 in overtime, but it, at one point, Oregon was up considerably in, in this football game to the point where it was 24 to 7 going into halftime. And you look at 
at that game and you're like, Oregon's going to blow the Cardinal out. Yeah. And then Oregon gets down to the Stanford 20 and has a chance to, to make it 31 to seven and they fumble. Stanford returns it, scores a touchdown. Two minutes later, Bryce Love scores another touchdown. It's all of a sudden 24 21 and we have a deal where, you know, it's back and forth again. And, and so maybe, Maybe Oregon's the, the team that, you know, if they play like they did in the first half last week, yeah, maybe they could win this game by, you know, three or maybe even, you know, four touchdowns or four scores or whatever. Um, I don't know. But I do feel like looking at the first three games that Oregon has played, they are, they do have a loss. There are teams in the conference that have not lost yet. Utah, Arizona State. California, um, but at the same time, I feel like Washington Oregon State. has looked like the best team in the conference, and I don't think, I don't think it's close, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean they've got arguably the best defense. You know, you run through the stats. I think they're top three in scoring defense, uh, total yardage allowed, turnovers. I know they're leading the conference in sacks. Um, th- this has been a defensive group that has just dominated so far, and that was, you know, I mean. Obviously, they, they, the loss to Auburn was frustrating. They allowed 27 points. I know that they, I'm sure, hung their head about that. But for a half, they looked like they, you know, they didn't allow Auburn to score and then you, or, you know, get in the end zone. And then you look at these last two games and it's really impressive, even if it's FCS opponents or non, you know, non uh, power five opponents to hold consecutive teams without a touchdown in consecutive games. I mean, that's, that's straight up really impressive. And, and you're right. I look at this defense and think, We'll learn a lot this week against Stanford. We'll learn more as we get further into conference play. And we should mention Oregon doesn't play like the top offenses in the conference for a little bit. They start Stanford and Cal and Colorado. Those are good to, to no, those are average to maybe good offenses in terms of the conference. But, uh, this defense looks for real. And if they can go into this game at Stanford and really, you know, send another message, maybe it's not a shutout or another game where they don't let, you know, Stanford score a touchdown, but you know, they, they make it so, you know, Stanford scores 14 points. That's, I think, plenty for this offense, especially against the Stanford defense that's allowed 45 points in consecutive weeks. You know, the Stanford team just doesn't quite look right. And so I agree. You're right. I think this Oregon team, they have a chance to send a message this week at Stanford, which has obviously been, you know, one of Oregon's, you know, biggest rivals this last decade or so, you know, in the Pac-12 North since they've expanded. I mean, Stanford's always been really competitive with Oregon, and those games have always been really, really fun. If they can go out and send a message this weekend, I think, yeah, absolutely. And there's not a team in this conference, the way it's played out, on their schedule that I go, man, that's going to be impossible, you know, for Oregon to win that game. I mean, Arizona State, of the teams left on the schedule, and, and probably Washington, and I guess maybe USC, although they didn't look very good this past week, those are maybe the biggest games on the schedule. I guess you should throw Washington State in because they're also undefeated. But, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why this this Oregon team can't, can't rattle off a bunch of wins here and, and start, if they start off strong, like I wouldn't be shocked if we look up and, and they're playing for potentially running the table. Yeah. I mean, there's, a, it's playing out where, I mean, look, we, it's difficult. We said this at the beginning when the Oregon lost Auburn, um, that Oregon was to get back into the playoffs and the discussion of that, Oregon was going to have to, to go 11 straight wins and then they'd have to win their 12th by beating whoever comes out of the South in the Pac-12 championship game. But it's two games, and you don't want to make too much over it. But at the same time, you're looking at a football team that has looked pretty pretty darn good. And 
a couple of your opponents aren't necessarily as good as expected. Uh, that's, you know, that's going to be the case with Stanford. Um, Washington has maybe looked, uh, open for losses because of some of the ways that some of how they've played in, in their first few games and they have lost at home to a, a team. I don't think anyone was expecting to win in, in California, but at the same time, you have teams that look better than expected, right? Like all of a sudden a Washington state game is looks much more important, much more tough than we were expecting. Um, a Cal team that was being looked off as a blowout win looks more um, as an opponent that could, could hang with Oregon, uh, especially their defense. ASU's offense has their issues, no doubt, but that defense is pretty good. Um, and that's a late game on the road for, for Oregon. And then USC, I mean, they could beat anybody if, if they just show up and, and play at their, at their strengths. But yeah, it's, it's right. I would agree with you that you look at this team and for Oregon and, and you think like there really isn't anyone through three weeks on the schedule that's left to play that you go in fearing like, Hey, Oregon's going to need to play their best game. And on top of that, their opponent's going to have, they can't play their best either because if they do, Oregon won't win. Like that scenario is not on the table. Like Oregon can go in, I think, and they could, you know, they could have like a B minus performance offensively and still win, or they could go out and they could have a B minus performance offensive uh, defensively and they could still win because the other side of the football can carry the slack. Um, I do think there are some concerns with Oregon football still. I think first and foremost, Eric, we, I think the injury bug is, is mm-hmm. probably your biggest concern right now with, you know, we already knew about Jawan Johnson. We already knew about Micah Pittman and Brendan Schooler and Lance Wilhoy at the receiver position, Cam McCormick at the tight end position. Um, but more guys are getting hurt. We saw, um, Andrew Jackson, he, he is, has been lost for the season just before Auburn. Um, or not, Adrian Jackson, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, Adrian. And then, um, during Montana, you know, Thomas Graham got rolled up and, and never came back out of the locker room at halftime. At cornerback. We also saw Jake Hansen at center. He left the, the field early and, and never returned. Um, and we don't know what his status is. Cristobal only said he's being evaluated. We know Austin Folio and Bryson Young, two upperclassmen starters on the defensive side of the football. They were held out for precautionary injuries uh, for a Montana game. Are they totally fine and okay to be back in, you know, in time for, for this football game? You know, I think injuries is a big is a big concern going in into Pac-12 play for Oregon. Yeah, it, absolutely. And, and I think it's going to test the depth. And uh, we've seen the depth test and out wide receiver for three weeks. And I think I've been pretty impressed. Johnny Johnson seems to have elevated his game. We've seen some good stuff out of Jalen Red, you know, in the screen game. It seems kind of where he thrives. We've seen some of these younger guys step up. Now we're going to see, you know, if, and again, a lot of this is, we're, we're kind of uncertain on status of guys, but if Thomas Graham misses a game or two, we'll see a lot more Mikhail Wright. And I think, you know, the early, what we've seen so far early from him has been pretty impressive, but how does he look in an expanded role? Uh, you know, you could say the same thing about potentially Jake Hansen with Calvin Throckmorton sliding over, you know, uh, how does that play out with Calvin? And then what, you know, how do they rotate at right tackle? You know, what happens there? Uh, and then, you know, defensively with, we already saw Mace Funa fill in for Bryson Young and he looked, I mean, Mace looks, he's been one of the stories so far of non-conference play. Absolutely. Right. He looks totally capable of filling in, but yeah, you're going to see some of these spots tested and, I think just mentioning the guys that are in those spots potentially filling in for these veteran guys that we're talking about, because those are three of your veteran starting guys that, that have quite a bit of experience. 
uh, you feel pretty decent about the guys behind him, but you just haven't seen him do it in ex- expanded, ex- you know, expanded roles, especially with a guy like Mikhail Wright, Mace Funa. You know, we've seen him now do really well, but those have been largely against non-Pac-12 teams or non-Power 5 teams, we should say. And then, you know, at, at right tackle, uh, you know, I guess it's going to probably be Brady Aiello sliding up, you know, or, or, or I guess Stephen Jones, possibly. Um, you know, there's just going to be some interesting stuff there. But, yeah, no, I, I think – I think definitely injuries are, are a concern, have to be a concern at this point. Um, and, and we'll learn more about it this week and kind of see where things are. And then, you know, maybe we start seeing some of these receivers get talked about as possible return dates, you know, with Schooler. And, and maybe that's a little bit out. Maybe that's unreasonable. But I think we'll learn a lot from what Cristobal says this week about the injuries. At the same time, Matt, I was going to, I was thinking about this earlier when we were talking. I'll pose it to you. If you, if you think if Oregon plays its A plus game and every team on the remaining on the schedule plays its A plus game, do you think Oregon wins every one of those games, and do you think they win every one of those games by like multiple scores? Like if Oregon mm-hmm. comes out and just if Oregon just comes out and plays its very best, and the opponent plays its very best, you feel like that's an Oregon win and a pretty decisive Oregon win every time? No, no, I, I do not. Um, I think I think if if Utah if okay, so let me Utah's not on the schedule. Right. So, I think Washington, if Oregon plays at their best and Washington plays at their best, I think that game is going to be similar to what we saw last year. Right. Um, it, it, they're going to be very close. The game will never, you know, be more than maybe a two-score game throughout, and whoever wins may win by one score or, or even a field goal, um, which I realize is one score. Um, <laughs> but – Washington State, I I kind of put them next to Washington. I I'm really really high on the Cougars. I was not high on them going into the year. I didn't think that this sounds really mean and whatnot, but I'm still gonna say it. Um, I felt like this was gonna be you know Washington State's quarterback um, Gordon. Um, I was expecting him to be kind of like Oregon's Dakota Prukop in 2016. Like mm. he was going to show up and <clears throat> he was going to win the job or not win the job, but um, he, he wasn't going to be anything special. And maybe halfway through the year, the, 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 you know, the offense falls apart a little bit and, you know, they, they go to a quarterback change or, or whatnot, or, or, you know, Gage Gubar, the, the Eastern Washington transfer is the Dakota Prukop. Whatever, whoever. I just didn't think this was going to be the year we would see the offense kind of tail off a little bit because they had Luke Falk in 2017, and you know that was a guy that was a four-year starter for the Cougars, just set tons of records. In 2018, Minshew showed up and was very, very good for for the Cougars. Is <coughs> now in the NFL playing, starting. Yeah, um, Jaguars. And so I felt like, you know, just a third straight year of a new quarterback, Washington State's not built to, to hold that. And lo and behold, they have, you know, one of the best offenses, not only in the Pac-12, but in, in the country. You know, from a scoring perspective, they're in the top 10. Uh, obviously, from a passing perspective, they're in the top 10. They're in, almost in the top five for total offense. And, you know, yards per play is a really good number for them. They're second in the country. So I think if Washington State plays, long way of saying this, 
But I think if Washington State plays at their best, that game is also going to be close. Um, I, I think they're, I think the Cougars are pretty good. Outside of those two teams, maybe you throw in USC as well. Um, maybe. I, maybe, I, I don't know about Slovis yet. Um, but I think everybody else, Oregon, you know, I think they probably blow out everybody else if they play at their best and the other team plays at their best. Um, Cal, I, 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 Cal would be a game where like, it, it could be a lot, a lot like Montana where Oregon wins like 35 to 10 or something of that nature. Like Oregon doesn't score a ton of points, but Montana, or, but, but California doesn't score either because their offense isn't very good. Yeah, I, I agree that I think at this point, those games, those back-to-back games in October against Washington and Washington State at home, I think that's where you're going to see Oregon either take control of the Pac-12, you know, championship run, and that's pretty obvious considering those are you're probably the two biggest rivals in the Pac-12 North, or lose it because if they go two and zero in those games, and you look at what's after that, it's USC, Arizona, Arizona State, Oregon State. If they go two and zero in those games, it's probably going to be pretty much a wrap in the Pac-12 North, honestly, because those are, you know, and, and then that's assuming that they beat Stanford this week and that they take care of business at home against Cal and Colorado. At that point, those final four games, Oregon could probably lose at USC and maybe even lose at Arizona State and still win the Pac-12 North. Obviously, that eliminates you from all that college football playoff and all, all that talk, but that would pretty much put an ice on it. And Oregon could wrap up the in the Pac-12 North probably by, you know, the end of October, and obviously we're jumping ahead here considering they haven't played a single conference game, but that's the way I feel as well. Those games are really going to be determining the ceiling for this season and possibly just kind of the total outcome of this season. Because if they lose one or two of those games, it then becomes, you know, a little bit more difficult with the way the schedule is set up. So, uh, but I agree with the, the general premise of what you said there. I also think that Arizona State, the way their defense has looked, is, is going to be an interesting game. It's always tough to play in Tempe. Um, at this point, Arizona and Oregon State at home feel like, very, very winnable games and games that if Oregon were to play its A game and those teams play their A game, Oregon wins by three or four or five touchdowns, just the way those teams have looked. Are you shocked at all? Let me flip the, the script here a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. Do you think Oregon's defense mm-hmm. is, for three games, the most impressive defense in the conference? Yeah, it's probably Oregon – or, or, or Arizona State. Utah deserves to be in there, obviously. I think we all know Utah, what Utah is defensively, and but they did give up some some points, you know, in those earlier games. Uh, but we all know that those guys, that's going to be an incredibly talented defense. Arizona State deserves a ton of credit for holding Michigan State to seven points, although I guess Oregon last year held them to six <laughs> in the Red Box Bowl. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I think. At this point, and then you look through the rest of the conference, I guess Cal would be the other team that deserves to be in, in that discussion. But like, what Oregon has done now in consecutive weeks against, and we've said it before, I guess Nevada and Montana aren't top tier offenses, and they're right. not offenses that are really all that impressive. That there were moments where maybe Montana's ability to move the ball was sort of impressive at times, I guess. But I, I, I just think, I, I come back to the fact that you hold consecutive teams without trips to the end zone. That's super impressive. And again, it's like, it's top to bottom. It's group to group. Like the defensive line has looked fantastic. The linebacker play has been tremendous. The secondary looks, I mean, that's maybe the strongest, I think that's probably the strongest unit of the team, if I'm being honest right now. And, you know, again, the stats, like there's not really an area where Oregon has really struggled defensively. They've been good against the run. They've been good against the pass. They've forced turnovers. They've made a ton of plays in the backfield. 
tons of sacks. Um, you know, they, again, haven't given up a touchdown in two games and they're, there's, you know, six half of football where they haven't given up a single, single touchdown this season. Um, it's just been a very impressive, impressive uh, group, and, and again, top to bottom, like it, the depth has been impressive. So yeah, I, I think so far I would agree with that. I, I think they have been the most impressive. I think obviously there's a ton, ton left uh, to learn, and, and again, like I said earlier, I don't know how much you're going to learn against Stanford, Cal, and Colorado. Those offenses have not looked great so far. I mean, Stanford with the Costello situation and his health, it kind of makes sense why they've had some difficulties. Um, but that offense just hasn't looked great. And then Cal's, we know Cal is offensively not going to be a juggernaut and Colorado may have one of the most explosive players in Chenault, but we haven't seen enough to think that that's going to be a top tier offense. I don't think we're necessarily going to learn exactly how good this offense is until that Washington, Washington state, uh, those games in in mid, mid to late October. I mean, Oregon's defense is top three in scoring defense at 12 points per game. Yep. They're, Top three in rushing defense or third. They were third in scoring defense as well. So third in rushing defense, they just give up 99 yards there. They're second in the conference in passing defense. They give up 173 yards per game there, which is really impressive because they've had two really big blowouts and opponents still can't throw the football on them. Um, Total defense, Oregon is second in the conference at 272 yards per game. And you go to yards per per play – and Oregon is first in the in the conference. Um, tor- turnover margin. The Ducks are are tied for third. They have uh, a turnover margin of 1.67 turnovers per game. Um, they're they are fourth in the conference in total turnovers forced with seven. Uh, you look at the, you know the sacks. They lead the conference in sacks with 10. USC is just behind them with nine tackles for loss. This is a weird stat, by the way. They lead the conference in tackles for loss. And the one team who's behind them, Oregon State, which wow. is just strange. But Oregon, yeah, Oregon, Oregon is, in the, is number one in the conference there as well. So this defense through three games is playing terrific football. And I think for, for that very reason, I go into conference play thinking there isn't a game Oregon can't win because their defense is that good. And, and like I was saying a second ago, it, it, and you ran down a lot the stats that I was looking at earlier uh, of just it's like a complete defense. It's not like oh they're really good against the pass, but they can't really stop the run. It's like they've stopped both at a high level so far. And again, you're going to get some better ideas against Pac-12 opponents, but like I said earlier, I still think it's going to be hard to sort of measure the totality of this defense until they face some better offenses. And we're going to start seeing that um, in Seattle, October 19th. I know Washington's offense hasn't looked like you know gangbusters, but historically that's a pretty dang good offense. And then Washington State's going to be the first really big test, I think, for this defense because year in and year out, like you said, Mike Leach seems to figure it out. And he, I remember you said you didn't uh, maybe take them quite as seriously coming into the season. He warned all of us at yeah. Mike Leach did at Pac-12 Media Day. He was like, you guys are all sleeping on us again, and, and we're going to be really good again. And so maybe maybe eventually we'll learn our lesson not to doubt what he can do with just about anybody at quarterback. And, and it's worth mentioning, Gordon's a senior, so next year they're going to be breaking in another quarterback. Um, and, and it'll be that whole situation again. So it, it's really, I agree, it's been really impressive what we've seen out of him. And I look at the schedule and think that's one of the two most important games remaining for sure. All right, let's take a quick break here from our sponsors. You're listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Odds and Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me. We're talking Oregon football going into conference play. The Ducks are 2-1. They had the one loss to Auburn to start the season, but then uh, they followed that up with impressive wins, 77-6 to against Nevada, 35-3 to against Montana. And now Oregon is looking into a Stanford opponent who's given up 90 points the last two games. And at the same time, Oregon has an opportunity to really just claim a really, really tight grip on that Pac-12 North standings because – Stanford already has one loss in conference play. Washington already has one loss in conference play. And if Oregon could win this one, that would put the Husky, or that would put Stanford at, at two losses in, in conference. Uh, Washington plays USC in two weeks, uh, at home, although. So, you know, there's a situation where, you know, Oregon comes out with a win at Stanford this week and the next week after the bye, the Ducks might have a, a two-game lead on the two teams many people thought were their biggest challengers in Washington and Stanford. I mean, that, that's a legitimate possibility to play out. Uh, and so this is why, you know, even though Stanford's at one and two and, you know, they've just come off a huge blowout loss at, at UCF, this is a monumental game for Oregon and for the Pac-12 race. Absolutely, and, and I, I really think what we've seen from Stanford through two games is – I think we're going to see better from them is, is kind of what I want to say. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I don't expect – and maybe you'll be wrong, and maybe it'll, it'll be a very similar score, an Oregon will win 45-20, to 20, and, and and that'll be kind of what the Stanford team is. Maybe this is the year Stanford just takes a, a, a nosedive off the cliff, so you know, so to speak, and maybe they're 1-3, and three, and then you look at the schedule, they play, you know, Washington in a couple weeks, and you look up and suddenly they're like 2-4, and four, and, and this is the year they don't even maybe go bowling. But I, I, I have a sense that – this, this, that, that program has so much pride and they love beating Oregon and I, I, I think they're going to come out at a, at a much higher level of play. And, and, and even against USC, we should mention, for a half they looked pretty good with the yeah. backup quarterback at USC and then the, just the wheels came falling off. And then last week against UCF, Costello didn't play the previous week. He, you know, maybe still some lingering stuff with the concussion. I don't know. He was terrible in that game. If he plays a little better, that game might be like, they're not going to win that game probably, but that game might be more competitive and we're probably talking a little bit differently. So I think that, that Costello is kind of the wild card there. If he plays at a high level, I mean, he was the conference's second team quarterback last year. I mean, he's, he's somebody that is, is a talented quarterback, uh, a senior, another senior quarterback like Justin Herbert. I don't expect him to just be total 
you know, a, a total non-factor or to play really poorly against Oregon. And so I'm expecting this game to be more competitive than what we've seen Stanford do the last couple of weeks. You know, this is a Stanford offense that has scored 17 points, 20 points, and 27 points in three games this season. And the last two weeks has allowed 45 points. I'd be shocked if it's if it's a third straight, uh, you know, poor outing for the offense and the defense um, from Stanford. And, and I think it's a game that's going to challenge Oregon. You know, finally they're going to be going against a team that at least has similar level athletes that, that you know, this last two weeks maybe you take it for granted who Oregon's playing to a certain extent. So, uh, I expect it to be competitive. I, I do think Oregon is the better team, and, and that was kind of what I was getting at earlier. I think if both teams play at a high level or play at their best, I do think Oregon wins. And I think Oregon can win at a high, you know, but pretty, pretty dominantly, pretty definitively, and, and, and put another stamp on this. So, uh, but I, I also think, and you mentioned it earlier, I also think the fact that last year's game was such a tragedy for Oregon. <laughs> I mean, you know, you ran through the stuff there, and I think some listeners are probably getting like PTSD because that was <laughs> such a brutal way to lose. And I mean, gosh, they. they that game, they could have won that game 50 different ways. And I think that is going to be a linger. That that has to play in those guys' minds. A lot of these guys are back. They knew they shouldn't have lost last year's game. I'm sure they were embarrassed about how they lost. I mean, it's a game that, they, they, again, I don't know. It's still even hard to compute a year later how it happened exactly. Um, I, I just think the motivation is going to be there as well. So even though I think Stanford's going to play better than they have the last couple of weeks, I think Oregon is going to be so fired up here and. The only thing that would give me pause on kind of Oregon is is that the injuries are just mounting up and mounting up, and you end up playing a lot of guys that aren't ready for the moment. Yeah, I mean, I, first road test and league play is going to be, you know, sure. always something that you look at, especially knowing how Oregon's played historically the last three years on the road. Now, granted, Dallas was not a, a – it was a better setting than I was expecting, but it was still pro-Auburn. Yeah. And it was away, and Oregon played pretty good. You know, they played pretty poised even in that football game. Um, so maybe that's a sign of what's to come. And um, we also want to point out that historically Stanford does not fill out their stadiums. And nope. Oregon typically has good crowds that show up at that place. And it would surprise me if – there were not a lot of Oregon fans at this football game, especially with it being a four o'clock kickoff, because that, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, there will be fans that will get up Saturday morning and drive to the game. Like, because it's, it's that late of a game, you know, and you only have to, you, you can, if you really wanted to, you could really get away with just one night in the hotel room. So, you know, I think there will be a good contingent of Oregon's fans there. You also have the Bay Area Oregon Duck fans that are in the area that, you know, they will show up. So there will, it, it won't be Washington, that's for sure, from a road environment. But nonetheless, you, you wonder what's this going to be like for this team playing on the road, playing in their first true road game of the year. Um, and then I think, you know, the Sanford factor, I think they always play really well against Oregon. David Shaw, you know, like you said before, like, this is a team with a ton of pride. They're not going to just lay over because they've, they've given up 90 points two two weeks. You know, you know, they, they will come ready to play to the best ability, and it's going to be up to Oregon to to come out and figure out what works and what doesn't work. And for me, I think there needs to be some kind of concern with the Ducks because offensively, because Stanford historically has been a unit that's always done a very good job stopping the run and this season for whatever reasons Oregon just hasn't been 
the you know they haven't operated yet at at their best ability on the run game. And while that doesn't sound oh it's three games in of course yeah 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 like I don't even think they've they've given a, a B level performance in the run game. Is that a concern a concern yet? Yeah, I think it has to be. And, and you know, I'm just pulling up where Oregon ranks right now in the Pac-12 in rushing, and they currently rank sixth with about 186 yards per game. But like, one thing that's worth mentioning is that both, you know, there were 60-yard runs Oregon had late in the fourth quarters against Nevada and Montana. That's like 120 yards added on to the total. Um, and not you, you, obviously those plays happen, so they count. But like Dollars run and Felix's run, those are late plays that if you wipe those out. Oregon has probably been eighth or ninth in the conference in rushing. And again, the fact that Oregon has the offensive line it does, and it's a veteran group that historically has been very, very good. Mario Cristobal's identity is obviously offensive line play. It, it, it is concerning. I, I frankly, I expected more on the ground against both Nevada and Montana. Um, I, I thought, I thought that they would take ownership in those situations and take control of the game. And, and they had opportunities to against Montana and, and really weren't able to. And yeah, I think that does have to be a concern. Uh, the, you know, the fact that the part of it, maybe the fact that they're running through a bunch of different running backs, you know, they're giving a lot of guys an opportunity and you're seeing kind of mixed results here and there, almost game to game. One guy looks better than the other. Maybe that plays a role in it, you know, just in terms of their, they're still trying to figure out their identity running the football. But absolutely, if, if you looked at, and it's weird to say, considering the fact all that's happened at wide receiver and how that was clearly the big question mark coming into the season is, oh, can they throw the football? Well, last two games have looked pretty darn good doing it, and it looked pretty good doing it against Stanford in the first half. But they haven't really been able to establish a consistent running game in any of their three games. Stanford, I just pulled up the stats, are seventh in the Pac-12 against the run uh, this season, so they're not the best team, but they're they're middle of the pack, and, and I expect, like we've said earlier, that they're, they're going to be ready to play in this football game. I think Oregon does have to establish a running game, and that has to be uh, a mentality thing, and that has to be a physicality thing, and I think it's going to come down to a lot of different factors, but I want to see a lot better play from the running backs group. I think, to me, that's been, it's again, it's weird, because I would have said coming into the season, wide receiver was maybe the worst position group offensively. Running back right now feels like the one near the bottom. Does it feel that way for you, too, Matt? Possibly. Um, I mean, I look at this group and I just, I think there's a couple of factors that we're curious to see how it plays out. Like, is it, they've been rotating a ton of guys. And so is it kind of like what they did with Dylan Mitchell, you know, last year at Good receiver point. where, hey, you know, we're, we're going to spread the ball around a ton and we'll figure things out. You know, once conference play starts, you know, we're going to stick with one guy and we're really going to just hammer home. You know, on that one running back, because you look at the carries for this team and it's, it's pretty evenly distributed. You know, Dye has 29, Verdell has 30, and then Velix uh, has 18, and, and Cyrus Abilakio has 12. Um, but on, and, and so could we see one guy emerge and what happens when one guy gets the bulk of the carries? Does he get into rhythm and, and whatnot? But at the same time, like, is Verdell healthy? Because. Yeah. Since, I mean, Crystal Ball said after the game, Montana, I mean, I asked him, like, is something wrong with Burdell? And he, he mentioned he's healthy. He's available. They're just going in other directions. But, I mean, he didn't play in the second half against Nevada in a game in which he had 11 carries in the first half. And obviously, okay, 77 to 6, let's just keep him healthy, go from there. 
Um, and then against Montana, he had five carries, 13 yards. And I don't think he played more than two series against, against Montana last weekend. Uh, and so the last two games that he's played in, he hasn't played a full game and he he's, hasn't even played a full quarter, I don't think. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see kind of what is his status, um, for Stanford. And if this is maybe a reason why we're seeing so much rotation in at running back, um, maybe it's a, a true competition. You know, Darren Felix has got the best yards per carry out of the four guys that get, you know, most of the carries at 7.1. I mean, that's, that's almost two yards better than everybody else. But granted, he's at 18 carries. Well, you know, the next closest guy is, is Travis Dye, who's done it 11 more times. So I think there is some concern. Um, I know Oregon's players have said that the 3-3-5 scheme has given them issues um, with how they block it. I don't think they face anyone else in the conference that runs a 3-3-5, but if I'm anyone else in the conference, I'm kind of looking at it like, is this a one-week thing we can do because it's giving Oregon such fits uh, running the football? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Stanford schemes against Oregon historically. Yeah, you're right. They're not – they don't play a 3-3-5. I think Arizona – historically does i'd have to go back and look and see if they've changed coordinators or or whatnot but that's the defense that pops out in my head but you're right i i do think it's going to be maybe the maybe the thing i'll be watching the most i think two things i'll be really watching the most this week and and we'll talk about this throughout the week but i I look at the running game with those running backs and then also stanford has probably the best defensive back in the conference or at least he's before the season he was believed to be in in paulson adebo it's can oregon make plays on you know in the passing game you know obviously i think We've been really impressed with what we've seen the last two weeks with Herbert and the receivers stepping up and the use of the tight ends. But will those you know same situations be available, and, and will those players be able to step it up against better athletes and a better defense in general um, in Stanford? Um, I think those are question marks. I think, again, in general, uh, there's just a lot of questions at skill position. And, and it's, again, a little bit surprising that running back – that we're having these conversations at this point in this junction of the season. I think coming in, we kind of figured this was going to be one of the strengths of the offense. You know, the running game last year, they returned two guys who are capable of running for a thousand yards and it just hasn't materialized. And, and for probably a handful of reasons. So I'm with you on that one, Matt. I, I think the ability to run the football, it would be great if you come out of this game against Stanford feeling like hyped up, like, man, this group could really run the football. Maybe they go out and they run for 250 something yards. Um, that would be, I think something that would ease some concerns, but if it's another game where you look up and it's like, there's not a guy who's running for more than 50 or 60 yards and, and they're not able to, uh, you know, they struggle on, on short yardage situations and they don't have a lot of explosion plays. I think those are going to be things that continue to be major concerns. And even with the bye week but especially going against the California defense, the following, following game that is really, really good and really good against the run. Yeah. Thankfully for Oregon that they get two weeks to prepare for, for that California game but you're right you know they're 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 facing two teams in the next three weeks that are you know historically known for being really good against the run and you can't win football games unless you have some kind or you can't win them consistently at least um unless you have some kind of viable run game and that's going to be i think oregon's you know task this week offensively is figuring out that run game figuring out how they can move the football without having to rely on Justin Herbert. Now, real quick, before we wrap this up, um, what do we make of Justin Herbert's start to this football season? Because 
he is on a tear right now. 73.3% completion percentage, 868 yards passing, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions, a QB rating of 177.3, which I don't think it's number one, uh, in, in the, in the conference or in the country. Um, but it's darn near close and he's, just outside the top 10 at 16th in the country. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts is at, of Oklahoma is one. Joe Burrow of LSU is two and Tua Tagovoya of Alabama is three. Um, but he's third best in, in the conference. You know, Anthony Gordon at Washington State's one. Tyler Huntley of Utah is two, but I don't think I would take either of those guys over Justin Herbert in, in, at this point, uh, in the season. I, I, I look at Herbert and just think, wow, he's he's playing really good football right now. If you, I think if you had to announce a non-conference Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, it's a Herbert versus Gordon discussion, and Herbert probably gets it based upon his stature in the conference. Um, and I just I just think it's really impressive how we've seen him start this season. You know, uh, again, he's putting up these numbers without five of his top wide receivers and maybe his best tight end. And, and that shouldn't get lost in this. And he's just been at a different level than he was last year. You know, you look at the stats last year, he had a lot of games where his completion percentage was below 50%. And I think we should give credit to the wide receiver group for stepping up there. And, and this doesn't seem like they've dropped quite as many passes. Um, and they certainly, I shouldn't say it doesn't seem like it. They, they haven't dropped as many passes. Um, but he deserves a ton of credit for just being over and over again, able to make plays that pass he had to Johnson for the touchdown right before half on that that I mean gosh I don't that was that was an incredible incredible play for him to be able to evade the rush roll out and just put it on the money those are NFL caliber plays and I think we're starting to see more and more of those at a, a more consistent basis I think that was something that was maybe missing at times in pre- previous years where gosh he'd make this incredible play and then there'd be moments of just really really poor play we haven't seen as much of that in my opinion this season and and going into conference play, you, you have to be really, really optimistic about your chances every single game because you're going to have, I believe, the best quarterback in every single game. And in today's style of football, in today's game of football, that gives you an advantage against just about everybody. Yeah, I mean, you go into this into these games the rest of the way. They've got nine games left. I mean, I, I think a big reason why you feel confident in Oregon winning them is because of the guy pulling the trigger on offense at, at quarterback. Like, when he's on his game, and we've seen this, Oregon is really, really good. And now that, at least for the last two games, they've been willing and have been open to taking some deep shots down the field, yeah. It's I think it's really opened up things in in the short passing game. I mean, you, you we've seen a couple times now in both games – where they've taken some deep shots, they've either connected on them or have been close, and then later on in the football game, Oregon will 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 go back. Herbert will will take a deep deep drop and he'll look deep, and if nothing's there, he'll he'll start working through his progressions and he'll find a guy that's completely wide open, either on a checkdown or an underneath route, and you know they get chunks of yardage, and that's because. Oregon's throwing the ball deep and there's that threat there and, and their opponents have to worry about the deep ball. And so I think Herbert's play is, you know, he's elevated his game. He's elevated the offense. And I think even with the, the, the lack of a running game, you feel pretty confident that this group is 
going in the right direction. And when they get guys back from from injury, you just if they can if they can do what you were we were expecting them to do, this offense is going to, is going to get even better. Yeah, and we should quickly say. I just I can't imagine exactly. I think the level this offense can get to is is really really high once you get Pittman, Johnson, and Schooler back in the mix. And if those guys are all able to be healthy for the stretch run, say after the bye week, or maybe even let's shoot for the Colorado game as the game where you get all those guys back, then you take an, an even another level and you look at those Washington Washington State games we've been talking about all podcast and all season just as being kind of those you know make or break games for the season, and you go they're going to be in really, really good shape uh, against those teams. All right, that's going to do it for Eric and I. Thanks for listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. We've got full week of coverage getting you ready for the Stanford game. If you've got questions for the mailbag, go ahead and send those to us uh, on Twitter. Um, you can find me at just Matt Prem, Eric, E-R-I-K underscore Scopel. Um, tag us. We'll get those questions on Mailback Wednesday. We've also got RJ Abeda from um, our Stanford site. He will be on later in the week as well to preview Stanford, Oregon, on the road from Palo Alto. So for Eric Scopel, myself, Matt Prem, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Adios, amigos.